Chapter 2 The Word Made Flesh It is St. John who, in his Gospel, gives even more emphasis than the other evangelists to the divinity of our Lord, which he affirms. It is enough to reread the first chapter of the Gospel according to St. John. We can never read it too often. It is one of the most beautiful passages of the Gospel, both deep and consoling. It used to be that the priest or bishop recited this Gospel while returning to the sacristy after Mass. It was his way of making his thanksgiving. Later, the church required the priest to recite this prayer at the altar before the faithful. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was made nothing that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. In this way St. John presents to us God's eternity, creation, and also sin. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to give testimony of the light, that all men might believe through him. He was not the light, but was to give testimony of the light. That was the true light, which enlighteneth every man that cometh into this world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. This is a general statement, obviously. Later on, St. John makes the distinction between these and those who received him. Let us then keep always in mind this affirmation, Omnia per ipsum facta sunt, which is included in the Creed. We must never forget nor dissociate this omnipotence from our Lord Creator. Our Lord is God, and there is but one God. There are not three gods, there is only one. Consequently, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost created the world. The Word created the world. Quote, All things were made by Him. Hence our Lord. For there are not two persons in our Lord but one, and this person is the person of the Word of God, the person of God the Son. This thought should be ever-present in our minds. But as many as received him, he gave them power to be made the sons of God to them that believe in his name, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. St. John is surely alluding to the transfiguration when he writes, and we saw his glory, the glory as it were of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Then he recounts the witness of St. John the Baptist, who cries out, This was he of whom I spoke. He that shall come after me is preferred before me, because he was before me.
These words of the Baptist constitute another affirmation of the divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord, he says, quote, was before me. He was before him because it was our Lord who had created him. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. There is no grace then that comes to us outside of our Lord Jesus Christ. All these words are of prime importance because they establish the basis of our faith, the principles of our actions in our daily lives. All the errors which are spread around nowadays and which make believe that there is another way of salvation other than our Lord Jesus Christ and outside the Catholic religion go expressly against these affirmations of the gospel and are explicitly against our Lord Jesus Christ. Documents coming from the Dutch Bishops' Conference speak of ways of salvation in the non-Christian religions. Absurd. There are no means of salvation outside the Catholic religion founded by our Lord Jesus Christ. Outside the Church, there is no salvation. It is a dogma of our faith. Why? Because supernatural grace comes only from the Church. Even those graces which might attain adherence of other religions would come from our Lord Jesus Christ, and consequently from his church, thanks to the prayer of the church, the mystical spouse of our Lord who is united to him and cannot be separated from him. It is by the intermediary of the Catholic Church that graces are distributed to those who should receive them outside of it. Undoubtedly, there are souls that are saved and which are not part of the visible structure of the church, but which belong invisibly to the church, the mystical body of Christ. The popes have affirmed this. However, undoubtedly this does not occur frequently. The church must be missionary in order to bring its graces to those who have not received them. If everyone received grace outside the church, and even if that were by the mediation of the church, we would not need to be missionaries. It is impossible to be saved by the practice of false religions or by beliefs that are contrary to church doctrine. It is impossible to be saved by error, by taking a direction opposed to the Holy Ghost, to the wisdom of God, and to the way which God chose to save us, which is essentially His Incarnation. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father. He hath declared him. John 1, 17-18 The mystery of the God-man is great, clearly, but it is absolutely necessary to meditate on it and to know the reality, the truth, because this is our faith, our whole life, and the life of the world. Nothing is done in the world that does not relate to our Lord. It is either for Him or against Him, with Him or without Him. Our Lord is the key to the solution of all the problems. There are none here below that are indifferent to our Lord. Men try in vain to work without reference to our Lord, but it is impossible because our Lord is everywhere. He is in everything because He created everything. Therefore, 
Everything is in his hands. Everything belongs to him. Nothing is outside of him. Men seek to evade him, but they cannot, because everything is his. To try to construct human history outside of our Lord Jesus Christ is an absurdity. Our Lord is the center of history. Everything was made by him and for him, and the only happiness of men and mankind is to be united to our Lord, to live for God by Jesus Christ, because he is God. He has given us the means. This is why he came. St. John says as much in his first epistle, which is also very beautiful. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled, of the word of life. 1 John 1, 1. St. John cannot distract his mind from the moments when he touched our Lord, when he rested his head upon his breast during the Last Supper. The scene is anchored in his mind, and he will never forget these instants. He lived to the end of his days in thinking of the extraordinary happiness he had known in touching the Word of God. For the life was manifested, and we have seen and do bear witness and declare unto you the life eternal, which was with the Father and hath appeared to us. How magnificent! In a few words, St. John places us before the reality. The life eternal which I have seen and touched I communicate to you. That which we have seen and have heard we declare unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship may be with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that you may rejoice, and your joy may be full. Undoubtedly, it was only little by little that the apostles came to recognize the divinity of our Lord. Even at the ascension, they were still asking when his temporal reign would begin. What notion did they have of this person who was before them? In fact, they did not fully understand the mystery of our Lord until after Pentecost, after the pouring forth of the Holy Ghost upon them. They drew from it the consequences which appear in their writings. This is what is admirable. Then one understands what St. John wrote in his first epistle. I have not written to you as to them that know not the truth, but as to them that know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denieth that Jesus is the Christ? This is Antichrist, who denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. He that confesseth the Son hath the Father also. As for you, let that which you have heard from the beginning abide in you. If that abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning, you also shall abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise which he hath promised us, life everlasting. 1 John 2, 21-25 He adds and repeats further on, by this is the Spirit of God known. 
every spirit which confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that dissolveth Jesus is not of God. And this is Antichrist, of whom you have heard that he cometh, and he is now already in the world. 1 John 4, 2-3 The affirmations of the apostles and the evangelists are quite precise. Those who affirm the divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ are of God. Those who deny it are not. The consequences are enormous. Think of the multitudes of people, of all humanity which lives today, as the men who lived before. It is in relation to our Lord Jesus Christ and his divinity that the fate of all these men is decided, and so their eternity. Mm -hmm.